So we have come to our last practice. We have been looking at the five practices of fruitful congregations. You can hardly get that out properly. And we're waiting for the PowerPoint to come up and you'll get to see that. And, uh, you know, we're talking today about extravagant generosity, if you haven't caught on yet. We're talking today about extravagant generosity. Now, here is one of the most popular subjects to talk about in the church, isn't it? Finances. And here we are. But praise God, that's one of the reasons why Pastor Mike and I learned a long time ago to work through series, because series kind of helped you to preach on what you should be preaching on, where sometimes you probably would say, no, can't talk about that, and you would put it off. And so today we're looking at these five practices. We've looked at radical hospitality, passionate worship, intentional faith development, risk-taking mission and service last week, and now today, extravagant generosity. Why do we say about these five practices? Well, if you study the book of Acts and study the church in the book of Acts, if you look at the church anywhere around the globe, wherever they meet, whatever language they speak, whatever culture they are, you will see these five practices in place. And so that's why we've been looking at these five practices, because this is what makes a congregation fruitful. And so today we are looking at this topic of extravagant generosity in the second letter to the church in Corinth by the Apostle Paul. And you can see all throughout this letter, this is one passage on giving and, and sharing and generosity, but you will see that Paul talks about this subject quite a bit throughout. Many of you have handed that little flyer, and you'll see in the back, uh, they were handed out the, in the back all this list of scriptures in 2 Corinthians where Paul speaks on this topic. We live in a day, though, and you know, I think we look through the glasses of North America because that's who we are, that's how we've been raised, and we realize in North America, and if we're not careful even in the North American church, that we begin to realize the power that's out there in materialism and consumerism. And I mean, I think, I think some of us who, uh, I'm just thinking of social media, when we first came on social media and enjoyed social media, now I'm forever deleting what on social media? Advertisement, advertisement, advertisement. And we kind of joke because we've said, there's something going on because we'll mention something verbally as a couple. Have you seen that? And then all of a sudden, it pops up on our Facebook trying to sell us that. And we're like, oh, okay, is that a coincidence or is something going on here? But we live in a day where they're constantly trying to tell you, no matter how clean your floor is, there is a new product out there that will give you a cleaner floor. And you need to get rid of the old cleaner, and you need to buy the new improved cleaner to have a cleaner floor. No matter what you do, your car that you drive, well, it might be great, but there's always a better car. And don't get me into Apple computers and phones and all those things. Because you need the newest one, heaven forbid. And see, we live in this cycle of consumerism, and what happens from this is this terrible debt. And we were in debt before COVID. But look at the debt now, the national debt that we're in. Look, look at the debt that individuals are taking on, right? And, and so there's this debt is that somehow the reality is we are living beyond our means. We are living in a way that we want it and we want it now and I'm going to get it now, but I don't have the money to pay for it now, but I'm going to have it anyway. And so now hear me right, I understand there's a debt 
a mortgage for a home, uh, uh, you need a car to get to work. Uh, many of our businesses represented in our church need debt in order to be able to do the business. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about this lifestyle that we've been told by worldly wisdom that this lifestyle is that I can just go further and further and further in debt. And so I like what Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey has got great ministry and tools to help people that are struggling with some of these issues. But I always thought this statement has always stuck with me. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. That's worldly wisdom. That's what they're trapped. They're trying to get you caught into. To think to you that this is where... You know, the, the one who dies with most toys wins. No, they don't. They leave a terrible debt for their family behind them. And I'll tell you, we know we've talked about our eternal destiny. Just because you die with a lot of toys doesn't mean you're going to be happy in this life and probably won't be happy in the next if you haven't dealt with your spiritual soul. And so we live in this day where we've been told that this is you know, many people believe that my, 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 my happiness, my self-worth is based upon how I look or what I buy or the purse I carry. God help us. I always joke about some of these girls with their purses that they spend a lot more than I would spend on one. And they're walking around through the red mud with green boots and the designer purse. <laughs> that always makes me chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> Come spring, that designer purse is going to get some red mud on us. That's the reality. You know, but we can get so caught up in this stuff, right? Labels and having to have certain things in order to think it's important. And as disciples of Christ, we need to face the issue of money honestly and openly before God. And that's what we're looking at today. Christian stewardship isn't focused on the church's need for money. So I'm telling you now before we even get anywhere. Praise God that we have weathered the storm of COVID very well as a church. And it's because of people's faithful giving. I'm not getting up today talking on the subject because the church is in a mess. And Pastor Benny wants us to give more money. That is not what it's about. I'm not here today bringing this up to cause you any guilt. That's not what this is about. This is a normal step in our maturing and growing in Christ. Because God has been so generous towards us, we can be generous now towards others. The practice of extravagant generosity is the fruit of maturation in Christ, the result of God's sanctifying grace that molds our hearts and changes our values and behaviors. Generosity supports the other four practices helping the church fulfill its ministry to make disciples of Jesus Christ in robust and fruitful ways, opening the message of God's love in Christ to more people now and for generations to come. There's a lot in there. But today in our passage, we're looking at a biblical passage, and in this passage that you have received today is the cycle that the Apostle Paul is trying to help the church in Corinth to understand. And it is a cycle of giving, of grace giving. And so he, that's what he wants us to look at today. God wants us to look at this cycle of extravagant generosity. And so first of all, it starts with we give to God. We give to God. Verses 6 to 7. He says, you know, that, that we are called to give to God. Remember this, whoever sows 
sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly to, or, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We know we live in a farming community, and the natural law in place in a farming community that God has put in place is if you sow seeds, you're going to reap, right? And so you can't expect to reap a harvest if you haven't sowed. And you're not going to go out and sow wheat and go out in that field and <laughs> decide you're going to get potatoes out of it. It doesn't work that way. God has put natural laws in place. And the Apostle Paul is saying it's also the same for our lives, that God puts this natural process in place, this natural law, that if you are sowing righteousness, if you are sowing generously, you will also reap generously. And so this is what God is saying to us, that, that you, you know, there's this natural order in place. You reap what you sow. And down in verse 10, and I either will talk about that, but verse 10 says to you, even the seed that's in your hands is a gift from God. Even the seed is a gift from God. And so I've thought about, you know, what is seed? Or today we're talking about money. Is that all we're talking about? No, I believe in the three T's. You've heard many people say that with stewardship, time, talent, and treasure. Guess what the greatest commodity is today? Time. Because I sure hear about how people don't have it. I sure hear about where they're always busy and they just don't have time. And so, you know, there's, there's different kinds of commodities. It's not just all about finances. But see, we are to sow our time. We are to sow our talents. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit has been giving you a gift to be used for the kingdom of God. Are you sowing that gift in for the kingdom of God? And then, of course, we have our treasures that is our finances and our possessions and our belongings that God is wanting us to use for His kingdom. I remember many years ago when we lived in a little town called Dundas, Ontario, out to the west uh, of the GTA, uh, that I had two seniors. I don't even know how it came about, uh, and I had two seniors in the town of Dundas, I lived outside, that somehow I start cleaning their homes for them on a weekly basis. And so I would go and clean for them, and they were comical, and, and you know, I had a lot of fun with them, these two seniors, they were two cousins, one was in their 70s, one was in their 90s, and you know what, what gave, me the, gave me the joy in doing that for them? My grandmother, I couldn't see my grandmother in Newfoundland, it's been many years since I'd seen my grandmother in Newfoundland, and I believed, honestly, I put before the Lord, Lord, as I take care of these two seniors weekly and have a visit with them and pray with them, that you're going to see that my grandmother is taken care of in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. Because I believe that. I believe this principle, that I was doing what God was calling me to do in that moment, in that time, and as I was being obedient to that, God was going to take care of my grandmother, and he did graciously take care of my grandmother. So I'm saying to you, this is not just about our finances. This is about T, T, and T. <laughs> Remember it that way. And so we're told not to do it reluctantly. <laughs> See, God is concerned about your motive, why you're giving to his kingdom. And, and he wants to know that you're doing it out of relationship and love for him and out of your heart. Because we know the prophets warn the Jewish people that they went through all the right actions, right? They were still going into the 
temple and bringing their sacrifices. And the prophets like Amos and Micah said, but that's not what God desires. What God desires is justice and righteousness and faithfulness. God desires your heart. Jesus spoke about that to the scribes and the Pharisees. When the scribes and the Pharisees were, oh, they were the law keepers. They did everything right. They crossed their T's and dotted their I's, but their hearts were far from God. And so we're warned by Paul here. It's not just about going through the right motions. God is concerned about your heart. In the Bible, we are admonished to give 10% the tithe of, our, uh, of what we have. And we're also told to give our first fruits to God. The best of the harvest, the best livestock, the best of our income. And unfortunately, if we're not careful, we can live as the leftover people. Now, Pastor Mike hates leftovers. If there's any hates, it's leftovers. I have to kind of change them. But do you know that our God is not crazy about leftovers either? That the reality is that some people will say, well, I'm going to pay everything, and then whatever's left over, I'll, I'll give to God. And you know what happens? There's nothing usually left over. And yet God has asked for our best. Nana's jar, raised by a single mother in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, and my grandmother had a little apartment. Uh, Mom and my dad separated when I was just two. Mom was pregnant with my brother, and so at the age of three, there was mom as a single mom, my brother, myself, and my grandmother in this little apartment. Lived that in that situation for many years. But there was one thing that my grandmother did, a believing woman, that always stood out to me and has stayed with me. Back in those days, it was a cash society. And so Nan would get her little bit of income that would come in, and I literally would have watch my grandmother go through that cash, and right down to the penny, now there's no pennies around anymore, but right down to the penny, God's tithe went into that jar. It was the first thing she did. And it went up on the shelf, and it didn't get touched until it went into the envelope <coughs> in the church. And Nan had to make it work through the rest of the week. Because that was God's. That wasn't hers. That was God's. And so as a young child, I, I got to witness this. I got to see this. My mom was not living for the Lord in those days. I didn't get to see that or learn it from my mother. Grandparents, take note. But I learned about generous giving from a grandmother who always believed that you gave God your first and you gave God your best. And it had an effect on my life and who I am today. And then we're told God loves a hilarious giver. Did you know that's what the word actually means in original Greek? Hilariously. I haven't seen too many people give hilariously. <laughs> and so it's our substance we give, so we give our time, talent, and treasure, our seed, but we're also to give God our hearts. We're told the second step that if we give to God, that beginning part of this passage, then God's grace begins to abound to us. You see that in the beginning of verse 8. And so true happiness and meaning are found in growing in God's grace and knowledge and love of God. God's grace is so extravagant towards us. And so he just wants to bless us. The, the question today is, you know, do we really trust God? That's the deeper issue that we're dealing with here. Do we trust God? This is the growing into this. 
You know, the truth of it is, I've said often to people, God doesn't need your money. Do you realize that? We talk about God doesn't need anything from us. So what's it all about? It's about trusting. It's about stepping in faith. It's about realizing that as we give to God, God owns it all anyway. And he just wants to bless us and use us for the furthering of his kingdom. Do you know that giving is central to the Jewish Christian faith? Because we know that God is a generous giver. We have all that we have because every good gift comes from above. And, and we know that we can't outgive God. And so it's so important for us to realize that as we step out of faith and give, God's grace begins to abound in our lives and blessing. And so as we give and start to learn this, that you can't outgive God, then we begin to realize that we start to trust God for more. And we begin to give God more. And that's the second half of verse 8. Having all that you need, you will abound in what? Every good work. So God starts to bless you so you can hoard it? God starts to bless you so you can sit on your laurels? No. Notice what it says here. That God wants to bless you so that you can go out and do even greater works for him. That is why he wants to bless you. So as that blessing comes, it comes with responsibility. See, we are only stewards. I think it's a change of thinking. There's, there's a point in your Christian journey where your mind begins to change and shift. Because at some point, you look at everything and you say, my, look at my farm, and look at my house, and look at my trucks, and look at my toys, and look at my... And there comes a point in our Christian journey and maturity when all of a sudden it changes and we say, look at the farm that God's blessed me with. Look at the family he's given me. Look at the truck that I drive. <laughs> Look at the car that I get to, uh, in the home I get to live in, and I can open the doors and do extravagant what, hospitality that we spoke about. See, we begin to have this mental shift that everything is God's. And I get to be a steward of it. He blesses me with it, that I get to steward what he has given me. I think even for us in parenting, when I begin to realize that the child and the children in my home are given to me by the grace of God and ultimately they belong to him. And I'm a steward of how I care for my children or how I care for my grandchildren because they are a precious gift from God. Do you know what John Wesley said? I like what he said. John Wesley said, gain all you can, save all you can, and then you give all you can. He said that back in 1744. Back in 1744. And I believe it's still a principle on the edge of a recession. I still believe it's the truth. You can earn and you can save and you can give all that you can. It is a wonderful principle to live by. And he was a very generous man in all that he was able to do for people preparing for ministry. See, as Christians, we desire not to be enslaved. Christ came to set you free. And unfortunately, if we're not careful, enslavement today can be in this worldly wisdom, and we can also be enslaved, as we said, to debt. God wants you to be free of that. The practice of tithing shows us that we are now in control of our money. And by the fact that we take that part and give God his portion, 
It shows that I'm in control of my money instead of my money controlling me. Right? And the amazing thing is that I have found that when I trust God and do that, even in difficult times, somehow what's left over, God seems to multiply. You, you're nodding your head because you've been there. I'm not saying, you know, tithing is this, this thing that anybody and everybody can do. A five-year-old can tithe because it's based on proportion. So it's not like, well, I don't have enough money to tithe, or I have so much money I can't tithe. It's all of us can do it. That's the amazing thing, this gift that God has given us. And it's how we uh, show this extravagant generosity. And in the midst of doing all that, look what it says that he does. And God blesses us even more. Do you want to be blessed today? I've had so many blessings in my life, but I praise God today that he wants to bless me even more. Isn't that hard to believe? He says in verse 10 there down, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It's amazing that you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You want God to be praised? Oh, I hope there's a few here today. Amen. And so, my friends today, this message is about God wants to bless you. And God wants to bless you. Why? So I can keep it. God wants to bless you so he can widen your aspect of blessing to others, your ministry. He wants that word to go out. He wants the blessing to go out to people. And so that's why God wants to bless you. Because now you are a person who is trustworthy. Why would God give blessing to someone who hoards it? Why would God give blessing to someone who is not trustworthy with what he's blessed them with? See, this is the principle that Paul's talking about here. And so it's so important for us to realize that God wants to bless us because we have been trustworthy with what God has given us. And so we become like conduits, that we want to be these conduits that God blesses me and that blessing goes out. And as he knows we're uh, mindful of his kingdom and all that he's given us, we know that we are stewards of it. That God wants to continue to bless me that I might be able to bless others. And hear me right, blessing, all the blessing that we receive or even what we give doesn't always have a dollar sum. It's not about that. I like what somebody said, that generosity enlarges our souls realize our priorities, connects people to the body of Christ, and it strengthens our congregation to fulfill Christ's ministry and his kingdom is advanced. See, when I begin to give, when I begin to be obedient to what God has told me to give, even to our body of Christ here, I'm invested. I get to invest you know, a lot of us are struggling right now with investments, and we see what's going on in our world. We're told not to store up treasures on earth. We're rust and moth and COVID destroyed. <laughs> but there's a place I can invest in the kingdom of God that nothing and no one's ever going to get, take away what I've invested Amen. in God's kingdom. It's going to mean changed lives. It's going to mean destinies changed. 
from life, from death. It's, it's, I get to be a part of that. That's exciting that I get to be a part. And so those that have given and, and given sacrificially into this church, they feel that they're a part of this church. They feel they're a part of when somebody goes under the waters of baptism, or they see a young couple come and, and, and give their vows before God in this sanctuary. They are invested in that. They, to them, it's important because I've been giving here. I'm investing here. This is my church. This is my uh, spiritual home. This is where I want to see the kingdom of God uh, grow and move in this place. Now, you know you had to hear this. It's not about prosperity preaching. Did you hear me? If you read the context in 2 Corinthians, it's never been about prosperity preaching. God, I give you $5 and I command in the name of Jesus and your word that it becomes 50 and there's people who preach it. That's not what it's about. It's about you being obedient to what God is asking you to do. And just stand back and watch do God do his part. Honoring God in all that you have. And then leaving the rest to him. It's so God will bless you in order for you to be a blessing. Not for you to have more. That is worldly wisdom being brought into the church, not godly wisdom that should be going out from this place into the community. And so, here's this abundant cycle that God just wants to do, as he says in 2 Corinthians. God supplies and we give, and God multiplies and faith grows. And that cycle just repeats itself over and over and over again. What are we told to expect? In the end of our passage here, as we bring this to a close, Paul begins to say, if you live in this lifestyle, if you begin to enter into extravagant generosity, if you are mature in Christ, then you can see that as you're giving, God is glorified, but first of all, people's needs are met. People's needs are met when we become generous. Remember, we've been promised already he'll meet our needs. And now other people's needs are met. And then he says, God is praised and glorified. He says that in those verses that Mary read, that, that God is exalted and glorified. When we live generously, God's kingdom advances and God is exalted and glorified. And he even ends that passage to say, which is so amazing, you are even appreciated. You are even appreciated and prayed for. Now, I don't know about you, but I need prayer. I would be happy, as Janice said today, it's awesome when people pray for us. <laughs> right? We, we give, we give, and, and he says at that end of verse 15, thanks God for this indescribable gift. Thank God. And, and Jesus is this gift. He's ending this passage to say that God gave us Jesus. John 3.16 is one of your favorite scriptures. Most people know that passage. What does it say? God gave. And so because God is one who is extravagant and so generous towards us, we are now able to give and be generous towards God in his kingdom and in the lives of people. And because of that, we have a love for God in his church and the kingdom. And God is exalted and God is glorified. And in the midst of that, the practical aspect, I could use it as an example. Say you were in need and you've been really praying and you've been keeping that need to yourself. 
yourself and you've been saying, God, I have this need. And all of a sudden I come knocking at your door and you haven't talked to me. You've only prayed to God and I walk in the door with exactly what you need. What do you do that night? When you're on your knees... You begin to pray and say, God, thank you for answering the prayer. God, thank you for providing for me. But you probably would also say, God, would you bless Pastor Betty? Because she's the one who was obedient to your voice and came knocking at my door. And so you would pray for that person. That's what Paul is saying. That builds the sense of fellowship in the body of Christ as we share what we have with one another. And people, and especially those outside the church, when we start to sow into their lives and bless people, then we begin to be respected. We're seen as people of integrity. And people bless us back. This is the blessing that God is wanting to go from this church into West France. Because people can say, you know what? They're pretty serious about their faith because they didn't have to do this for me, but let me tell you what they did for me in my worst hour. See, this is what Paul is trying to say here to the church in Corinth. It's the greatest, one of the greatest witnesses we can have as a church, extravagant generosity. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And as they come, I want us to be very honest with you. Money is something we don't usually like to talk about in the church. I want to challenge you today to grow into it. Some of you would say, Pastor, do you realize that inflation and PEI right now is 11% and you're talking to me today about generosity and giving? Like, are you crazy? <laughs> and I want to say to you, no matter what goes on in history, in season or out of season, these principles are still to be put into place. And some of you are saying, I'm struggling, Pastor. And I would say, I understand that. But I would only think I'm asking you to do today is would you bring it before the Lord? Would You know, we put a lot on this altar, don't we? Have you ever put your finances on the altar? Have you ever said, Lord, I'm struggling financially? You know, I just, I just give it to you and ask you to help it all work out because I don't understand, but I want to do my part. You know, some of us are struggling. Some of us are so in debt that we're under this enslavement. And we worry and concern. And you know, you're like, Pastor, you're not speaking to me. But I know, and I've been enough around in the church, that I know people who are starting to get phone calls from the creditors. Or they have taken out a new credit card to pay off the other credit card. And they're living in this cycle. And it's important that we say it and we talk about it. And Dave Ramsey is one of the ones who deals with these issues and gives practical, if you need any practical help, he's wonderful in some of his materials. But the most important thing is you need to get out of the cycle of debt. That might be the first thing that God will say to you in the midst of all of this in response. Lord, help me to get out of the cycle of debt. Help me to stop living beyond my needs, to live within my needs. And as you do that, God might help you then. And then, and then even tithing, you can say, Pastor, you want me to do what? Give 10%? I don't have 10% right now. Well, what if we started this year and the rest of this year and said, you know, I'm going to try 3%. In faith, God, with your help, I'm going to try 3%. And you grow into it as you trust Him. That's what this cycle has been about today. We are not negating the day that we're living in. We are not negating the realities right now that people are going through with their finances. All I'm asking today is would you trust God to take a step of faith? 
in your place of prayer, in your place of surrender. This is biblical. This is biblical. This is not what Pastor Betty had to say today. This is biblical. It's right there in 2 Corinthians. Ever had a time when you've been in Timmy's over in, in Bloomfield there, or O'Leary area, and somebody's paid for your coffee? I'm the only one? Oh, a few of you have. You know what it is. Pay it forward, right? And so as you're going through the line, you go to pay for your coffee and already paid for it. The car that just left ahead of you paid for your coffee. You're like, oh, I wish I got a whole bunch. I just got a coffee. <laughs> and so, you know, that will go for so often because then you'll pay for the coffee or the order for the person behind you and you pay it forward. My friends, the kingdom of God is about paying forward. The pew you sit on today, the lights, the instruments, the piano, the place to gather downstairs for VBS this week and for Bible study, the floorboards, <laughs> the walls, the doors, the pulpit. Everything here that we get to enjoy week after week is because somebody gave sacrificially and extravagantly to this church. And because they have been generous and because you continue to be generous, we're able to pay it forward for generations yet to come. As the psalmist says, that a generation yet unborn. I'm hoping for more grandbabies. I don't know what you. Pastor Mike sure is. That we give and sow and pay it forward so generations to come that are yet unborn might praise the Lord. That is our responsibility. Let's pray. Father, we pray today as we end this service. We thank you for these five practices. And it's challenged us, Lord, to look that this church is only as fruitful as I am fruitful. This church is only as fruitful as I'm willing to practice these five practices and to do my part. And together, God, we can continue to do great things for your kingdom. I thank you today for the faithfulness of this congregation. I thank you for how we have weathered this storm well through COVID. And that is because people have been faithful to give sacrificially, not knowing about the future, but yet still giving. I remember seeing the cars driving into the parking lot. We couldn't even worship together, but they made sure their tithe was brought in so that the lights could stay open. They could still continue to pay their pastor and the church could triumph on. And it's because of that kind of faithfulness we are here today. And so now, Lord, we are challenged. We don't want to feel guilty because that's from the enemy. But we are challenged by your spirit to continue to sow, continue to believe, continue to give. That a great harvest in our generation and in generations to come will come forth. We want to pay it forward, Lord. Now, I pray today for those who are struggling financially. It's no one else's business but yours and theirs. Unless they need to seek professional help. And God, I pray for them that somehow they would lay their finances out before you today. And they would say, God, I want to no longer live by the wisdom of this world, but give me your godly wisdom how to deal with my finances, that I can be a giver and you can bless me, that I can even give more for your kingdom. Lord, anybody <clears throat> that's under debt today, debt that is enslaving them, I pray that you would begin to show them the door out. And it's a journey and it's hard work. 
But I have met people who have been able to work through that and the rejoicing that happens when they have been able to put that debt behind them and they've been able to stand debt free from all of that weight. It's almost like the burdens fell off just like when the burdens of sin fall off at the cross. God, you want the burdens of debt to fall off us too. So help us to make godly, wise decisions in these days. These are troublesome days. And Lord, help us to understand what we need and versus what we want. And God, I am so blessed today to realize the times, the things that I only prayed a little prayer, even years ago, all of a sudden one day handed to me, and it wasn't even a need. It was a blessing right from your hand. Oh God, you bless us in so many ways. Help us to realize that all that we have today is yours, and we are only stewards of it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.